No, seriously. Do you do you do you wear polarized sunglasses? I have sunglasses. I don't even. I don't think they're polarized because I buy I buy the cheapest ones possible because I sit on them and I lose them, and so I I gave up buying nice ones. Polarization. I don't. I'm not an optician. I'm not an optics guy. <laughs> but uh, the basic idea, though, it sounds kind of crazy. Do you know what the, how they work? They're they're like blinds, like horizontal blinds on the lenses. They're they're. You know, I don't even think that you can see them with the naked eye. Um. But the idea is that it makes your glasses like blinds, and then without reducing visibility, it reduces glare. And so, like, for example, like people who uh, work on the water, like fishermen, um, love polarized sunglasses because it cuts down on the glare from the water in front of them. Right. Um, But you know if you have polarized sunglasses or not, because if you look at your iPhone – it it or any kind of like LCD. Oh, it display. looks different. It looks crazy. It's like all yeah, rainbow. So then color. I do. Then I do. Yes, I do have polarized. You do have polarized. Is that? I'm, I'm, I must because my phone looks looks freaky. And at first, the first time I noticed that, I thought that it was something wrong with the phone. And then I realized I had bought new sunglasses. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. It's exactly how how this came to my mind. I, actually, what happened is I I had um, Marco Arment on the show last week. And um, I want, I heard an episode of his show from weeks ago where he was talking about the Warby Parker um, glasses and sunglasses and said that he likes polarized sunglasses. And I thought in the middle of listening to the show, that's crazy. How can someone you know who uses an iPhone all the time, as I presume Marco does, use polarized sunglasses? Like to me, the debate between whether you get polarized sunglasses or not is over now that we carry <laughs> iPhones with this all over the place. Because it looks bad on your iPhone? It makes your iPhone look crazy. Like it makes it look, uh, to me, it makes it look unreadable. I, I could not bear to use my iPhone with sunglasses on. And yet I have my sunglasses on and I use my phone out in, in what do they call that? Daytime. Uh, <laughs> And I wanted to talk to Marco about it, but we ran short of time because we did a quick show, so I didn't get to bring it up to him. And it, is the effect the same in the casino? I would bet that it is, uh, given that uh, given all the video poker machines. I'm, I'm sure. I'm just I'd, trying to think of where you would be most likely to be using them. <laughs> well, and then the, the, the further confusing it in the casino is you you know if you start seeing wavy lines and stuff, you're never quite <laughs> sure if it's your glasses or. How long have I been here? <laughs> yeah, how long? the last time I saw the sun. Right. <laughs> what was that guy next to me smoking? Um, you just never know what, what it is that's causing the wavy lines in Vegas. But anyway, that's actually what happened to me today that reminded me that, um, to bring it up with you, because I didn't bring it up with Marco, is that a couple of weeks ago I had Amy's old first original iPod out, the one with the wheel that actually spun. Just, I don't know, for old time's sake. And uh, I think it was because it was like some kind of, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I got it out. Wasn't there? Yeah. I got it out, posted a picture on Instagram, got, you know, a couple hundred likes. Uh, (laughs) But it's a beautiful device. It really is. It looks ancient now because it's so crazy thick because it has a big hard drive in it. But yeah. um, uh, but I had it out, and it's in my. It was in my office here, next to my desk, next to next to a window in the sunshine. And uh, Amy was in here telling me something before she ran out for an errand. And she was like, "Why did you leave this? Because it's hers, not mine." Actually, that's the other thing. She got mad at me when I posted the Instagram because it, it, I I made it look. I didn't say anything on Instagram, and she says that's mine, not yours. <laughs> and 
And so that there, you know, there I'm jack, you jacked her image. Yep. Sleeping on the couch for three nights. Yeah. Um, but then she got mad at me because I wrecked it because I left it out in the sun for a couple of weeks and I looked at it and I was, it didn't really look weird to me. And, and then she goes, Oh, is that these sunglasses? <laughs> Cause it actually made, it made the, the original iPod with her sun, with her polarized sunglasses. It made it look as though it had a color screen. Like, like, um, you know, like a rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, that would have been, now that I'd actually would have been to me. If you borrow your wife's original 2001 iPod and literally wreck it, it was, you know, it still works. That's the thing that's amazing to me is that if you can yeah. find a firewire cable, it still works. If I had actually wrecked it, that would justify some anger. So you're, you're okay going blind as long as you can continue to look at your going blind in the long term, as long as you can continue to look at your iPhone with crystal clarity right now. I don't think non-polarized, unpolarized, whatever the word is, normal sunglasses are driving me blind. I, I, I think it, you know, just you have to put up with a little bit more glare. I actually am. Uh, you might be in the same situation. We're of, of similar vintage. Um, I actually am having trouble. Start. I'm starting to get the uh, yeah. presbyopia, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, in my left eye, not my right eye, though. Which I don't know if it's better or worse. I so got it. That, I got it all through my body. <laughs> What's it called? Is it presbyopia? I, I'm, I, I looked it up a little bit and then I got I, I got scared and stopped. I had to, I had to find I had to finally buy a pair of those cheaters uh, reading glasses, just like cheap grocery store ones. How do they work? What does what did they do? It just makes it easier to see things close to you. How did, they, did I thought that, I always thought they just magnified? It's kind of yeah. I mean that's well, well it's the same thing. Yeah, but if and I that's can't, what, that's what glasses, <laughs> reader glasses do. <laughs> you guys, you can see I'm really well informed about. Yeah, that. we should really be having this conversation. <laughs> Ophthalmology. So, but you wear contacts. I do. Yeah, so do I. And it's I'm like uh, I'm practically blind without them. Right. So I think that's what I think that long range. That's what I think I need to do is I need to uh, get get like uh, some kind of pair of glasses that I take around with me and put them on to read. Yeah. Um, it's uh, a problem in restaurants now in low light situations. Yeah. Just like trying to read a trying to read a menu. It's like. Yeah, it's just. And my I left know eye. I know now what my parents went through and why they. You know, it's always seems so annoying. Just put the damn glasses on. Like, and I had no like sympathy. I had no sympathy like for I'm... my dad when he went through it at all. None. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Not at I all. I remember. <laughs> I remember when my dad got his first pair of bi- my dad wears glasses and and has his his entire adult life, I believe. I, I don't I I don't think I've seen a picture of my dad without glasses on since he was like a teenager. Um I remember when he got bifocals. And he really was struggling with them because it's weird. You have to like hold things at a weird angle and stuff. And it was, he was like lifting them on, lifting them off. And I, <laughs> I had no sympathy for him whatsoever. <laughs> Making fun of him. Yeah. I got to look this up. I gotta the arrogance it. of youth. What's it called? It's like presbyopia or something. I don't know. Presbyterian. No, I think it's presbyopia. <laughs> Yeah, presbyopia usually occurs beginning around age 40 when people experience blurred vision, near vision, when reading, sewing, or working at the computer. Yeah. Karen, Karen got it before I did, and she started wearing – she had never worn glasses, and her vision was perfect, which I always found 
irritating to begin with. And then she also kept saying things like, I think it'd be kind of cool to wear glasses. I think I'd look good in glasses. (laughs) You're not going out and getting like blank glasses to wear just to look like, just stop it. But then she got the reader glasses. And like the first <laughs> the first time I saw her wearing them, she's like, I go in, go in, and she's she's lying in bed, she's reading a book with those glasses on. I'm like, oh hey, <laughs> we had a hey kid, there, librarian. We had a kid in high school. We had a kid in high school. I'm not going to name names. I I'm hundred. I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure he does not listen to the show. Um, but I, you know why name a name? But he was. <laughs> He came in wearing glasses one day in high school. I don't know, eleventh grade, twelfth grade, and you know, so you don't want to say anything. You want to be the, you don't want to be the guy, you know, who makes fun of someone because they start wearing glasses. I actually had to start wearing glasses in high school. I, I also got contacts, so most of the time, I, I didn't look different. But um, you know, I just you, know, you don't want to be mature about it. You don't want to act like right. a fifth grader. Um, but like within a day or two, it turned out that he didn't have prescription glasses. He 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 just had glasses, and he and he literally said, "I think they make me look smart." And then we just tore into him. I mean, oh, of course. Oh, it's like off to the races because all of a sudden, instead of making fun of somebody for having you know yeah. a, a legitimate problem, you can. Yeah. Well, I've had bad eyesight since fourth grade, so oh, you know I don't want to hear it. Like I've you know I've had to live with I've had to live with this pain for a long time. You're gonna just wear them because you think they look good. I've told this story before. This is one of the. This might be the funniest thing that ever happened to me in my life, and it, I, I think I've told this story on this show before. But I bet it was years ago. So why not rehash it? It was sixth grade, and this kid Dwayne. I'll name him Dwayne. <laughs> Dwayne and I got sent down to the nurse together for the annual. Kids go down two by two, and you got to get your eyes checked, right? <laughs> and you. I don't know why they send you two by two. I don't think the nurse was very good with children so she couldn't handle very many at a time and so i I, the lights are real low in the room because it's set up for like eye exams and there's a chair to wait and it's about halfway like between there's like a piece of tape on the ground where you stand and then there's a standard eye chart uh and she said you know who wants to go first and Dwayne Dwayne went first i took a seat I took a seat. I'm halfway to the sign, and I thought well you know what this would be so easy to cheat because i mean this is the way my brain works is uh Look, I'm halfway there. I can just memorize the bottom line. Um, I don't know. That's all. So I'm thinking about, you know, how, why, why wouldn't they, you know, proctor this exam a little bit more on oh, the up and up. In the meantime, and remember how they used to do it? They'd, they'd like have you, have you read. And it was the same thing every year. You have, you know, see which line you can read, cover the other eye, do it with the other eye. And then they at our school they used to give us a pair of glasses, and they were they're like they look like Warby Parkers now. They're like, I guess you know they're like what looks cool now, like black chunky glasses. But like in the eighties, they were the worst glasses you can right. imagine, and they were real thick. And it was the same pair. They just said, put them on, and then what do you see? And when you know when I'd put them on, it's like you could almost see nothing. I mean, like the whole world just it's like Vaseline on your eyes. <laughs> and then, you know this is the sixth, was sixth grade, same school all six years, so it's like the sixth time I've done this. And I'm sitting there, and I'm you know bored, and I'm listening, and and she's like, "What about this row? What about this row?" And Dwayne can't see any of the rows. He couldn't even see the big E at the top. <laughs> <laughs> and I started giggling, and then and then she had him cover his other eye, and it was the same thing. He he couldn't read a damn thing on the eye chart, and I I was just dying. I was like, "Oh my god, this he, he's he's got." He, 
he's like blind. And then she goes, what if you try these on? And she gives him this pair of glasses that everybody had to try on. And he goes, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I just died. I just like <laughs> fell out of my chair laughing. And Dwayne is like, well, I didn't know. I didn't know I was supposed to see like this. Dwayne has not seen the, the board right. in like three years. And the nurse turns to me and she goes, do you think something's funny here? And I said, he can't see anything. <laughs> And he had, Dwayne had good parents, you know, I think his mom was even a nurse, you know, and nurses' kids are always, you know, it's not like he didn't have health care or anything. I just, he just, like, never reported it. He never, Nobody like, noticed. And somehow, he, I don't know if he had had a really bad year between fifth and sixth grade, if he'd, you know, been absent the, the year before when they did the same thing. But lo and behold, like two days later, Dwayne comes in wearing the thickest glasses you've ever seen. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, Hank's got glasses too. Um, he doesn't have to wear them that much. It's, it's I say it's pretty, pretty good. It's just mild. But uh, is it distance or close? Distance. And man, the first the first pair that he got were uh, was these with Spider Man glasses. Oh, I remember seeing a picture of him with those. That's a yeah, cool. Yeah, they were they were and they were awesome because they were very subtly Spider Man. The case was was kind of Spider Man upped. But the uh, the glasses themselves looked like sort of Warby Parkerish, yeah. except they just had a little uh, like spider web on the uh, on the things on the side. And I thought, oh man, I'd wear those. <laughs> I, see, I see a lot more kids at Jonas's school wearing glasses than when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it 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 just seemed pretty rare. There were only a handful of kids who wore glasses. Yeah. Seems pretty common now. I can't even wait to see what happened to these kids. You know, they say that standing, you know, being a foot away from a glowing computer screen for hours a day is bad for your eyes. Can you even imagine how much worse it's going to be for these kids? I can't even imagine. Yeah, our kids are going to need corrective surgery. Because I feel like with us, like we were, I mean, even when we were playing video games, like in an arcade or something, I mean, the 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 CRTs were so fuzzy, you didn't really have to focus that what, that closely. Yeah. I think that was good for us. And you couldn't afford to play for, you know, as long as they can now. <laughs> I always think of that. I do think of that whenever the people complain about the in-app purchases. It's like, do you realize how much yeah. money it cost me to play video games? I worked at, as a teenager. I worked at a video arcade. And oh man, man! I just, well, I just, I spent, I spent everything. You peaked early at the place. <laughs> but, but the every- cool thing was, I had the key to the place. <laughs> left without a paycheck every week. <laughs> yeah, basically. But I had the key to the place, and so, like on a Saturday night, I would take my friends. And when it was closed, and we would just go down and, and open it up and lock the door and just stand there and play video games. What was your favorite video game in that arcade? Uh, my favorite of all time, I'm not sure if it was in that one or not, was Tempest. Ooh, that's a good game. I, I love st- all the ones. I still vec- love that. All the vector vector art games. Yeah. Yeah, those were all good. Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, the Star Wars one. Battlezone. Battlezone was it, Yeah. I guess Asteroids was vector graphics, too. Uh, never really thought about that. But now that I think about the way that Asteroids looked, it w- I think it was. Yeah. And there were a number of Asteroids ripoffs that were pretty good, too. Yeah. Uh, I remember my favorite neighborhood arcade growing up uh, had Spy Hunter, always a favorite, and uh, Yi-R Kung Fu. That that that's that I know Dan Benjamin and I talked at at length about Yi Kung Fu years ago on on the show. He was a big fan. You remember that game? 
I don't because I missed that phase. Yeah, that whole been. that whole fighter thing Ye- came a little bit after my time. Er Kung Fu was like one of the first ones. If you Google it after the show, and you'll okay. see from the graphics quality that it was <laughs> it was pre like Street Fighter. Yeah, um, it was a lot more like Pac Man era graphics. Um, even had like the I know it was made. It might have been made by the same company as as Pac Man because it had that same exact same high score font. Um, <laughs> same basic idea though, where you fight. You know, two guys fight side by side, but it was it was an older older version of it. Great yeah. game. Oh man, arcades. <laughs> Anything going on this week? No, I don't think so. All right, let's. I'll take a break. Let's get it out of the way. Let's do a sponsor. One of our. Okay. Great friends. Let's let's talk about Backblaze. Longtime sponsor of the show. What do they do? Easy. Unlimited, unthrottled backup for your Macintosh computers. Uh, what do you mean unlimited? Doesn't matter how much you have to store. If you can get it through the internet to their servers, you can back it up. Might take you a couple weeks. Took me a couple weeks to get my whole thing backed up. It's all right. It'll, it, for me, it, there's like a 30-day free trial, no credit card required. Um, you'll probably, if you have any kind of decent bandwidth, you'll get it up before the end of the – you'll get everything up before the end of the 30 days. It uh, doesn't matter. But then once you do, once you have that first backup up, uh, everything else is incremental, of course. doesn't take long. Uh, and while it's backing up, you can, uh, you can even use it. You can start to use it with whatever it's already been backed up. Uh, but what about getting it back? Here's the thing. This is one of the stats that they've given me. They've just crossed the 6 billion files restored mark. In other words, in the aggregate, users of Backblaze have restored 6 billion files. It's amazing. They have over 100 petabytes of data backed up. One petabyte is 1,000 terabytes. And a terabyte is huge. So they've got tons of storage. They've restored tons of files, uh, and it's great software. You can re- you can restore one file or all your files. You can do it over the web. You can pay them to put everything onto a hard drive and ship it to you. Uh, anything you'd think that an online has everything backup system could do, Backblaze does. Founded by ex-Apple engineers, it's really great native software um, for your Mac. There's no add-ons. No gimmicks, no additional charges. Five bucks a month per computer. Five bucks a month. I've been talking about this for a while. It's the best five bucks a month you can spend. Great, great service. Here's where you go to find out more. Go to backblaze.com slash daringfireball. They'll know you came from the show. Uh, and, you know, just start. No credit card required. Just just go there. Sign up. Backblaze. Uh, so what have we what have we crossed off the list so far? Polarized sunglasses and yes. e- arcade uh, arcade games. Oh, and uh, presbyopia. <laughs> well, here's the weird thing. I didn't know this. Is um, so like with my left eye. It's if I close my right eye, I actually really. I uh, to be honest, I can't read my iPhone anymore. If it's just with my left eye, uh, if I close my left eye, I, I can read it with my right eye, just like I've always done before and for some odd reason with both eyes open it looks even better i don't know at some i don't know how that works even though my left eye can't focus it it somehow looks better in my head with both eyes open hmm. uh, 
but obviously if it's just happened to my if it's happened to my left eye in the past year my right eye is probably uh i don't know whatever it is in there, in there it's <laughs> whatever mechanism it is in there that lets you f- focus both at long distance and short range it's <laughs> it's probably all rusted <laughs> out <laughs> It's like a like one loose screw in there. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Millennium Falcon hyperdrive. Uh, I I had no idea, but I thought too. I would, the thing is, is that at distance, my left eye was also a little blurry, um, and I thought, oh, I just need a new prescription. And so I went to the eye doctor and got in. They were like, "Yep, your left eye got a little worse since last year. You need a new prescription. Here you go." Uh, here's a sample contact lens. Try this out. Tried it out, and, and close distance stuff got worse, like way worse. And I was like, "Uh oh!" So I went back, and it takes a lot for me to go back to a doctor. And I was like, uh, "I didn't. I just thought everything was blurry, and and I got this new thing. And I have to tell you, I see great at a distance with this new contact lens, but like reading is worse." And the eye doctor looks at me, and he's like, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> he's like, "That's how it works." Like the stronger the the stronger the nearsighted uh, prescription is, the worse it makes the the uh, inability to focus at close levels. Right. So now I'm so old that I have to choose between uh, <laughs> what I want to be able to see. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I, just, I know. Just I, they at this point, and any any native culture worth its salt would have just piled some sticks around me and just left me there <laughs> continued on without me <laughs> just left a little marker <laughs> just so i could pass away peacefully without being eaten by the animals <laughs> so and yet here i am <laughs> i'm 41 uh i think yeah 41 uh and I've always felt I felt so good for years that Derek Jeter is still playing. Now Derek Jeter's one year younger than me; he's forty, but he's still the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees, and he's retiring after this year. I cannot, I, however g- much better you know physical condition Derek Jeter has always been in, in me as <laughs> him being a world class athlete and me being a guy who sits in a chair. Uh, uh, I, the the difference at age 40, 41 is profound. He's still the starting shortstop for the Yankees, and I can't read my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really feel like this is the beginning of the part where you just, everything, you, I just start falling yeah. apart. Yeah, I, I'm turning an age this year, so I, uh, I decided to, <laughs> if I was ever going to get back in shape... I, <laughs> Or get in shape of it was, any kind. It was ten years ago. Start. I needed to start. <laughs> yes, I needed to start a long time ago. But now, like that's now for sure. I need. So I started exercising again, and and I went to the doctor, and I had everything. I'm having everything done. Wait, you did have everything <laughs> every possible. Done? Every possible test is being is being run. Some of them. Some of them will take you know months to complete. Can we do a special episode of the talk show with a, with a camera for this? <laughs> I think this- wants that. Nobody wants that. I think this could be a very special. The doctor doesn't want to be there. (laughs) Nobody. I don't want to be there. Your listeners definitely don't want to be there. (laughs) Did you see that Saturday Night Live skit this year about the guy who asked his doctor if he could check if he has a Darth Vader up his up his butt? (laughs) No. I don't want to spoil it. It's uh, it's worth it though. Just honestly, I'm just going to write down here at Google. uh, Yeah. 
SNL Darth Vader up my butt. So, <laughs> speaking of Star Wars. Oh, man. Going to doctors is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Star Wars. New X-Wing. Which is what everybody's talking about, even though that the whole thing was supposed to be about a charity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I thought of that, too, after I linked it. Hey, look at the X-Wing. And it really sounds like a great cause, like a truly great right. cause. Right. <laughs> I think it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I think that these little teasers where they're shooting them on these practical sets. And I know that they said, you know, it was a thing they said when they announced they were going to do episode seven. And they were going to, you know, with J.J. Abrams directing, and they even said right up front, we're going to, you know, we're going to dial a little back on the computer graphics and dial it back up a little bit on the practical special effects. But actions speak louder than words. And just seeing something like a real full life-size X-Wing is awesome. Right. Because I remember a story when we were kids, and I don't know if it was after all three movies or just after, you know, somewhere in the run when Star Wars was, you know, the original trilogy was being made. I remember seeing a story in a magazine about a guy, you know, and they built, you know, practical-sized X-Wings. And it might have been like like 19, you know, after the 77, 1977 original. And some guy in California bought one of them and put it in his backyard. He like, you know, he just like bought it. And there was a guy who had like a life-size X-Wing in his backyard. And I, as a kid... All I can think is that is the coolest thing I have ever heard sure. in my life. And I, if I had that, I would go in and sit in the X-Wing every day. Yeah. <laughs> now as an I'm adult, kidding. I look back and I think, I can see being stupid enough to buy it. <laughs> if I had a backyard that could fit it. And I could see being stupid enough to pay someone to put it there. And then the next day I would wake up and think, what the hell did, am I going to do with the X-Wing <laughs> in my backyard? Because it doesn't. What did go- I, oh, what did I buy last night? <laughs> Some a couple of years ago, or maybe a little bit more, there was a project going on to build a full size Millennium Falcon. Oh, I saw that. And they were like building it in the forest or someplace. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember where they were doing it, but they had like they had bought some land <laughs> and they were building a full size Millennium Falcon. I wonder. I wonder, like, what did they do with like the full size Millennium, the real full size Millennium Falcon they built back in seventy seven. Uh I presume they kept it around for the next two movies, and so that like the one you saw in Empire was the same one. And was I'm not sure was there ever really a full size one built because hmm. they might have just done the door and done the rest with a matte painting. I think that like I'm not sure there's there's something pretty big in in the scene where you know they're loading up. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a matte painting. I think that well, I don't know if it's yeah. truly full size and articulated from every angle. But right. the but the one in Mos Eisley where you know um, they're getting on the ship and all of a sudden it's like a race against time because the stormtroopers are are setting up <laughs> they come in and just <laughs> set up guns. <laughs> um, but that's a there's clearly a pretty big pretty big physical thing there, you know. Yeah, and like think about it like when they're uh, shooting off the Minox inside the dinosaur in the asteroid in the next movie. And and on Hoth, there's a pretty big, you know, like when Chewie's up there fixing it. Yeah, there's a big Millennium Falcon. I don't, again, well, it may not be articulated mm-hmm. on all sides. I don't know. But visually, the Millennium Falcon was represented by several models and external and internal sets. For Star Wars, a partial exterior set was constructed, and the set 
dressed as Docking Bay 94 and the Death Star hangar. Uh, oh, do you think, did, sure they, Nick- did they, were they not able to move that? And then they, they, they changed the most Eisley Docking Bay to become the Death Star? That would be cool. Oh, maybe. I bet that maybe they sure. did. Is that what that says? Is that what that says? It would be is cool. Do- yeah, because Docking Bay 94, that was the one, that was the most Eisley. Right. Yeah. But it does say partial exterior set. Yeah. So. So anyway, new X-Wing. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of pro these movies. I know some people are concerned. I think a lot of people our age have a subscribe to and it's a sensible maxim, but the fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, <laughs> shame on me. And so they are not going to get excited about the new trilogy until until after it comes out. No way, no how. I think Can't. there's no chance that it's not going to be better than the last three. And the and the last three left such a bad taste in my mouth that I'm happy to have pretty much anything. I'm I, I got confused by your sentence because of the two negatives, but I agree. <laughs> right? You said there's no chance that it's not going to be better, which means it has you're yes. what you're trying to it say. It has is, to be better. It has to be better. Yes. I think that I agree. I, I know yeah. L- Larry Kasdan's involved on the screenplay. Uh, Abrams is good. Yeah. You know, I think Abrams' worst movie is better than than those. Yes. I we've said this before. I've said this numerous times whenever Star Wars comes up on the show though. You have to understand though that for like our kids generation, the the they're all blur together. My son Jonas still has no idea which ones are the old ones and the new ones. And I'm like, how can you not tell the difference <laughs> that there are three movies that are very very different and that when I was your age, we thought Return of the Jedi was the bad one. And now we think, oh, that was a great movie. Yeah, really. Hank still has not seen the prequels. <laughs> You're hardcore. I am. I yeah. I mean, for the and he's not as he he loved the Clone Wars TV series. Yeah, and he's seen the the first three movies, and then I was like, and then I was finally I was like, okay, if you want to, we could watch the other movies. And it's like, no. Nah. You and Siri, you and John Syracuse are like the founders. Yeah, of but like for a while this. it was it was a very when he was really kind of into he was into the movies themselves for a while before he got into the the Clone Wars show, and I think at that point he asked he it was he asked a lot of questions about the other three movies, and I was like, I was like ah, they're not any good. Well, <laughs> we don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> they don't exist. <laughs> I do. So. I worry. I worry about uh, those movies because they came from the same guy, and it's you know talking about getting older, you know. And there's there's um, I don't even know how true this is. I'm not a doctor, but they say that like you know after within every few years, every single cell in your body dies and is replaced throughout the cycle <laughs> of life. So like I don't know. Within like ten years, every cell in your brain has died and been replaced. You know, and I, you know, I think hopefully, you know, that they, you know, the reason you can have any kind of memories that last longer than that is that, I don't know, the way shit gets stored is, you know, like, right. hey, I'm, I'm going out. I've got a memory of uh, Dig Dug in 1984. And then the new <laughs> neuron comes in and goes, all right, got it. I got it. Right. But I don't know. There is something. Nice that, job. Enjoy your retirement. There is something that happened to George Lucas as he got older that is to, just to, 
very, I mean, he might be, it seems like a very nice man. And, you know, I think he's had a very happy life, but as an artist, the guy that the guy who made THX 1138 eventually made, uh, the Phantom Menace is just mind boggling. And that it wasn't because, ah, it's like a work for hire, you know, it's like, I, you know, got to do it for the money. It's like, he funded the whole thing himself. (laughs) Like he got to do it exactly as he wanted. Like he he set everything up like and that's what was so that to me is it, is why those movies were so profoundly disappointing was that he it, it always impressed me that that in a very different way than like Stanley Kubrick that he he was a guy who wanted to do things his own way outside the studio system you know I always thought it was cool everybody knew you know he wasn't Los Angeles based he was in Northern California nobody else was up there making movies and that he he created this amazing franchise that and and set up the licensing in such a way that he got all the money from it so that mm-hmm. he would never have to go to the studios for money to make a movie again he could just right. make whatever movies he wanted to and then he made he used it to make Howard the Duck and the Phantom Menace <laughs> Yeah he I mean he had no one to answer to other than himself <laughs> Jonas watched Howard the Duck at his grandparents house uh, Oh my god really a couple how does, of months. How did that happen? I don't know. I asked him. It was like, <laughs> I, it, he was there, he was being babysat for the you know weekend, being watched for the weekend while Amy and I are away. And I, I don't know, like it was on Netflix or something like that. And they're like, well, let's watch that. It's about, <laughs> <laughs> and I tried to explain to him that it was from the guy who invented Star Wars and he wouldn't believe me. <laughs> so we're a half an hour in. We should probably talk about Apple eventually. Yeah. Hey, financial results came out today. Yep. They sure um, did. Uh, well, today for us, not today for the people, the suckers <laughs> listening to this later in the week. Um, it's probably not going to come out till Thursday or something. People like should listen to this live. I mean, I don't know why they don't, why they don't. Yeah, should I do that? You know, the ATP guys have that. Um, yeah. And, and it is helpful um, as I'm listening to ATP and they either make a mistake or they can't think of something that they don't have to interrupt themselves and google it they just keep their eye on the chat and so right. you know right it's kind of amazing and there, it sort of reminds me of like the podcast equivalent of like on a like on a live tv the way the anchor always has an earpiece and a director or somebody off stage can tell them things <laughs> you know so that cuz so that the person who's on air doesn't have to interrupt the show Right. Like, it works. And I remember having it with uh, the old talk show with Dan Benjamin for a while. Uh, not a long stretch, but for some stretch, we had, like, an IRC channel or something like that. And it was occasionally helpful. I don't think I could do it, though, because I think the reason it works for ATP guys is that they record on a very regular schedule. You know, there's, like, I don't know, yeah. one, every Wednesday night at 9 right. Eastern, they're on. And right. I don't think I've ever recorded two episodes of the show at the <laughs> same day and time. <laughs> Right? Yeah, I can I can vouch for that. <laughs> like sometimes <laughs> the ones that I've been on. I'm like, are you up at midnight? Because I'm a, I'm wide awake. It's 3 a.m. Eastern, but it's only midnight out there. Are you good to go? And you're like, and you're always like, yeah. <laughs> you remember? Do you ever? I, I do you remember being disappointed? I was disappointed when I found out that like the Tonight Show wasn't live. Yeah. Although, uh, well, let's see. Growing up, I mean, growing up in New York, like Saturday Night Live was live. Yes, yes, which was great. That was that was always crazy, and it was always great to see them crack up and 
stuff like that. Those were always the, the moments that you remembered. But yeah, but but that was basically. Well, I guess no, they're all like that. Like Letterman's yeah. not live. Either. No, nobody's live anymore. Yeah, uh, the Tonight Show used to be live, and on the East Coast, and then I think at some point in the '60s they switched, or maybe it was when they moved to California in the '70s when they moved from New York to California in the '70s. Maybe that's when they switched. Yeah. Um, uh, and it just felt like a bit of a cheat. Right. But then I started thinking of it as more like knowing like a magician's magic trick. Like at first it ruins the illusion and then you think, hey, this is pretty cool. These people, they're clearly pretending. They don't lie. They don't tell you it's live, but they're acting as though it's late at night somehow. Yeah. <laughs> but that was weird. I'm going to, I went to a Letterman show once, but back when he was on NBC and it's like, yeah, it was like at four o'clock in the afternoon or something. Right. Not late night at all. But it, but yeah, but it's but they kind of I mean they they tongue in cheek he does he does like a tongue in cheek thing right. pretending that it's that it's at night you know that he has to stay up until eleven o'clock to do the show right or like uh, <laughs> like uh, like on election night he'll make jokes like as though he knows who won the election yeah right <laughs> uh, so uh, financial results came in is that where yes. we were on that's what we were on. Uh, I hardly really looked at them. It seemed like they were more or less kind of sort of in line, not shocking. Financially good. iPhone's pretty good. A little uh, bit. I, like, I found a little higher than expected. Yeah. Um, margins are still great. Higher than expected. And that yeah. was, that's been the thing like that, that during the rundown of the stock, like the, the great 2013 Apple depression, was always about the margins that the margins are going to collapse. They can't, you know, right. And, and part of it was because they'd had a run for a couple of, maybe even over a year where they had insanely high margins. I think maybe, who knows if it was, how much of it was just, remember when they bought all the, the LED LCD screens and a bunch of Ram in advance. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was like somehow like that bet paid off huge and they had like 40 something percent margins for a while. Yeah, And part of it was just that that was a fluke in terms of being high. And they kept saying it was a fluke. Like, you know, this was all, you know, we'll, we'll take the money, but this is a surprise. They're normally, they should not be this high. And then part of it was, you know, just, you know, just bad luck that it, you know, went down a little bit. But then there, I know there was a lot of speculation for a while that the margins were going to compress, I think is, is what they say. Yeah. But no. And the only, it's like the only real question is the iPads are down again. Yeah, iPads down, Euro. Well, it's two things, I think. And I think that maybe they're related. I don't know. iPad is down 10% year over year or 9%? I think it's 20. Oh, really? Well, all right. I think so. Well, Macs are up 18%. And Macs being up 18% is even more impressive because according to most like IDC and other, you know, people who track the whole industry, the industry as a whole is still down 2% for the same quarter. Right. So in an industry where like windows PCs, or I guess, including the Mac, including all Mac and windows, you know, who knows? So windows is, you know, all windows PCs must be even worse if the Mac is down even further. Right. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of surprising because I feel like a couple of years ago when the iPad was, you know, 2011, 2012, when the iPad was early days and, and was clearly a hit, 
I think that everybody was, including me, was sort of thinking about how how is this, as the iPad gets more powerful and more popular and more familiar, how is that going to affect Mac laptop sales? It's probably going to, you know, be like a sort of slow decline. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's the other way around. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's interesting. I don't know exactly. I mean, I think, well, I think some of the negativity about Windows machine sales is Windows 8. Yeah. It's just not, I mean, it's, you, often those kinds of upgrades drive sales and yeah. it, it's having almost, you know, it's having a negative effect this time because everybody hates it. I, I really just don't think, if you went back to like 2011 and the early days of tablets and, you know, mobile phones, you know, growing gangbusters, I just don't think I would have believed that come 2014, the Mac would still see 18% Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have thought growth. that either. Does my heart well, though, because, yeah. I, you know, it's great to see the Mac doing well. Yeah. I liked that ad. Did you like that the, the yeah. stickers ad? Yeah. yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, and I noticed that. I mean, like that that little flash of the old uh, icon, the old logo is great. the The old logo came up twice. So this is a new commercial that Apple they call it a short film. It happens to be exactly thirty <laughs> seconds long. But I don't, you know, all right. and you'll see it on TV. <laughs> They're going to pay money in between to put, segments of a show in between commercials. <laughs> They're going to pay to broadcast a 30-second short film about one of their products. Uh, but if well, if ha- they're not going to do it, then who is? If you haven't seen it, it's just 30 seconds of almost like stop-motion animation, almost. It's just, a, I don't yeah. know if there are a bunch, but it's just a whole bunch of very, very quick cuts. Uh, I think maybe less than a second each. Um uh, uh, of MacBook, I think mostly MacBook Airs, but then at the it's end all they, Mac. It's all MacBook Airs. Oh, I thought at the end they switched to bigger. Oh, really? Because I, th- I thought that the whole th- the whole ad was about th- was about the Air. Because well, it okay, like then it's a MacBook. Everybody's Airs. favorite. Maybe it's two different sizes of MacBook Airs, yeah. um, but with you know all sorts of custom stickers decorating the the outer Apple logo case. They never show the screen. It's always just the Apple logo. Um, some of them I've seen before, some of them pretty clever. But then I noticed the one about halfway through, it's it's like a, a pixel art version of the old six-color Apple logo that you put over the Apple logo yeah. on the MacBook. And then when the, when the Apple logo lights up, it lights up the, uh, the decal. I saw that one at first, and I thought, oh, cool, I haven't seen, you know, that's a neat way to sneak the old Apple logo into an ad. But then at the very end of the ad... Very quickly cycle through different styles of the Apple logo, not on a MacBook, just the Apple logo, including the old six color mm-hmm. Apple logo. And I, I found that really interesting. Yeah. I got some pushback. I wrote about it and I said something. What did I say? I said it pretty well, so I should probably just rip, rip myself off. <laughs> um, I wrote, people have been decorating their laptops with stickers and decals ever since they became consumer products. You didn't see many stickers on them when they cost $5,000. I think the first time I tried to buy a PowerBook, it was $6,000. And I was like, wow, that isn't going to happen. And I don't think we need to commission a demographic survey to state that younger people are more likely to do this than older people. It's no coincidence that the spot is debuting in back-to-school season. Um, In the old days, Apple didn't have to worry about conformance. 
just owning a Mac made you stand out from the crowd. But what happens now when everyone you know has a MacBook and every MacBook looks the same? Something like this commercial is what happens. Um, some people push back on Twitter, like everybody you know has a MacBook, and it's like I'm, you know, obviously you can something like that doesn't literally mean everybody. But I, I'll bet it's the case at a lot of schools that there are, you know, like, you know, whether it's high school or, or college, where it seems yeah. like everybody you know has a MacBook. Right. I don't know. I've seen those pictures. You see those pictures yeah. of, like, lecture halls. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's been happening for years, even yeah. before these market changes happened in the PC market, where, where PCs started falling and, Apple, and Macs started rising. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, that among... Um, like younger, you know, teenagers and college students, it's even more profound. Um, so yeah, take every word, everyone with a grain of salt. But if it seems like most of your friends all have MacBooks, all MacBooks, you know, especially from the back, look exactly the same. You know, the Air, the Pro, the, they're all just aluminum with a white logo. I mean, right. I think it's a cool look, but you know, as a kid, that's there's a sort of resistance to that sort of con- conformance. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the plastic covers. What plastic covers? Every once in a while I'll put a I'll put a cover on my iPhone, but I just oh. because I feel like I'm going to drop that, but I don't on a on a MacBook, I don't I don't like the plastic. Yeah, and I don't think you need cases. to protect it. Well, the other thing that's shells, shells. Yeah, the other thing that's interesting about that commercial is it shows a bunch of them that are beaten up, dent, yeah. literally dented, scratched, right. Right. well used. Uh and that's pretty interesting because, to my knowledge, I think Matthew Panzerino pointed this out. I don't think Apple's ever advertised with you know well-worn, well-worn. versions of their machines. <laughs> no, no, not. Um, but they've talked about it before. Like Johnny Ive at least has in those you know those videos he shoots from the the weird <laughs> white universe he lives in. <laughs> You know, it's like where that guy who runs the Matrix is yeah. running right. the Matrix. Sure. Uh, you know, that that they choose these materials for how they wear, you know, and that it should be like a pair of, you know, good good old pair of boots or blue jeans or something like that, you know, that it should look better as it ages. But they don't show it like that. But yeah. I do think there's a truth to it, you know. And I think that especially, you know, a phone is different because it's got glass and can you know that the glass all things are off with that i don't use a case for my phone but i don't blame anybody who does because glass whereas you know macbooks are in my experience extremely rugged yeah especially especially since they've switched to ssds yeah i think that you know and the the aluminum you know i I think that it's kind of neat i think johnny i've probably liked that ad i think he'd like probably seeing seeing him beat up and worn in an ad because I do think they designed for that. Yeah. Does your kid have a MacBook? Uh, he uses a, a very old MacBook Air. Yeah. he's Hank's got my old MacBook Pro, and man, he's he's rough on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> like physically rough or like rough? Well, like Everything. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, the, and, and, and he's, he's like, he spilled a drink on the keyboard, and, and now I got to figure out how to get the keys off to clean, because they're uh, sticky now. Uh, we've, like underneath, they're sticky. You know, it's easy to clean the top of them, but now they're like, yeah. they <laughs> the touch that I would not type on that thing. Uh, Jonas has a bit of a passive aggressive streak to him where he's taken now to showing me some um, 
Minecraft mods, there's, there's, they're called shaders and they, they totally change the way the game is rendered. And, uh, and he says, look, this one is meant for, uh, Mac, old MacBook airs to make it look better. And it's still laggy. <laughs> wow. Isn't that interesting? And then, you know, and then he's like, but this one's actually all right, even though it wasn't meant for an old MacBook. <laughs> But this one's well, and he goes, well, it's laggy, but it's not as laggy. And I do kind of feel bad, but yeah. in the sense that it, I, somehow I'm proud that he, you know, cares about frame rate and right, right. No, I get that. I get that too. Right. Like we have got a great running gag in our house, where like because it's well, you're you guys are three too, so it's there's never a tie. Somebody's right. always going to win, and so like one of ours is um, standard def video on the TV. Amy doesn't really notice, doesn't really seem to care. Jonas, Jonas acts as though he's been poisoned. <laughs> like a spit take. Like you expect me to watch this. I don't think Hank notices the video quality that much. Maybe that's cause he's not wearing his glasses, but, <laughs> but, um, but he definitely like, like frame rates or buffering drive him berserk. Oh, Oh my God! You, God help you if something is buffering on like Netflix or something, <laughs> <laughs> or anything drops below sixty. Frames. When are we gonna move to another country where they have better sixty frames per second? It's like when I was a kid, we had uh, eight pixels on the screen. I had a black and white TV. <laughs> <laughs> our, my, our, our Atari twenty six hundred literally had a switch you could flip that said you're playing on a black and white TV. <laughs> Remember that? It was a switch. It was like B&W. And it was like, <laughs> I, I guess it somehow that, would, you know, only choose shades well, of gray yeah, that right. would, you know. Right. Things that would make it. <laughs> My first video game console had a mode for black and white TVs. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on the um, quarterly finances? Uh, just that they are looking forward to having a big fall. Oh, is that what they said? I didn't see that. Yeah. See it? We're recording at a time where I have not seen the uh, the 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 conference call, which is usually where more yeah. information comes out. So they've dropped a hint right. that they expect to have a big fall. Yes. Oh, and the other the other thing, which you know we've been hoping for and kind of expecting too. And then the other thing I thought was interesting was that. Tim Cook said that the growth in the iPhone 5C, you know, they don't give out, they don't break out how well each iPhone does. But he said the growth this quarter in the iPhone 5C tier was higher than the growth in either the 4S or the 5S tier. Hmm. So. Right. In other words, not, you know, obviously there's no, there was no previous 4C to compare against, but it was that the pricing tiers. Yes. Yeah. So it was it compared to the 4s a year ago, I guess. Right? Compared to the 4s a year ago, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's interesting, especially since there were a lot of people who were sort of chalking the 5c up as a failure, as right. somehow that it was that it right. was. That's uh, the, yeah, and and it's only you know it's a in, arguably a failure in that they I don't think they didn't sell as many as Apple thought they were going to sell. Or maybe they didn't sell them as many as they thought they would in the first quarter, but maybe yeah. for the year as a whole. Yeah, or I guess it's only been nine months or so. But and it's um, still like it's like the fourth or fifth best selling phone. I I see a lot of them. I really do. I've but started. I, yeah, I've still. You keep seeing more and more. Um, 
Yeah, I think, you know, I don't think Apple, I know from talking to some people at Apple that they don't, they don't, they don't have a crystal ball. They don't, they didn't know exactly how many, like talking to them last year when they first announced them. And to me, the part that stuck out right on day one was that I think it was at 199 or was it 299? There was one price where you could, for the exact same price, carrier subsidized, you could get either the 5S or the 5C. You could get like the best 5C or the worst 5S at, I think. Oh, okay. I don't know if it was 199 different, or 299. Just different uh, amounts of memory? Or yeah. Space? Yeah. I've, you know, and did, you know, the 5S has, yeah, it was, it was like the 16 gigabyte 5S versus yeah. the 32 gigabyte 5C. Doesn't uh-huh. matter. I, I could be wrong on that. Don't even email me. But, you know, it's something <laughs> like that. You can get a 32 gigabyte 5C or 16 gigabyte 5S at the exact same price. And I thought that was interesting because that's, it's like for some people who someone who's less informed, you know, might be that's a difficult decision. And how did they think that was going to break out? And they're like, we don't know. You know, we, we, you know, we, we, you know, we really don't know. We have some estimates, but, you know, until we put the stuff out, you know, we're off, we're always a little surprised by which, which, you know, exact configurations sell better than others. You know, there's some consistency year over year, but sometimes, you know, you yeah. can't predict it. So I think they're probably a little surprised that the 5C didn't sell great right off the bat. And maybe they're a little surprised that it has legs as strong as it does. But I think, you know, there's a there's an easy explanation, you know, that it, it the one that people who are enthusiasts are going to buy is always going to be the, the top a line the brand, one. yeah, the real new one, right? That you care about things like that. The camera is a little better, has you know an extra half stop of exposure, and you care about the fact that the A7 is a faster, you know, CPU. I mean, every day my life is better every day because my phone runs 64 bit. I can't <laughs> believe there's people out there running a 32 <laughs> bit cell phone. If I had a 32 bit cell phone, I probably couldn't read my phone with either eye. I'd just kill myself. That's right. what I'd do. That's what I would do. <laughs> um, but no, you know what I mean? We, we think about things like that. And then we do stupid things like go get in line on day one to buy one yeah. so that we can have it the first day that it comes out. Whereas people who are not like that, like just buy a phone whenever their old one breaks or whenever they feel like their old one, man, I'm sick of this old phone. I got to get a new phone. Yeah. And then they go in and they're like, wow, I like that uh, pink one. That looks cool. I'm going to get that one. And they don't care about the fact that the you know camera is one year old. Yeah. And so, of course, it makes sense that that's the one that I, I think in hindsight, it now is makes sense that that's the one that would do better year over year. Be more like a more of a slow burn. Right. And it still looks new. It looks like a new phone. Whereas like a year ago, if you were going to buy the mid tier phone, you were getting the 4S and it kind of looked a little older and. Know, just you know, kind of looked like a year old phone compared yeah. to the five S, whereas the five C looks just as new, just you know, a different style. There was another. There was a rumor about. Did you see this? I can't. Was it the Wall Street Journal that Apple was ordering sixty to eighty million big phones? Oh, I saw something about this. Yeah, right, some huge number of right. Whereas, like they phones for the. You know, like, I think like last year in the fall, they sold like 50 million. And so like something like 60 to 80 is like a huge spike. Yeah. I saw some stuff on Twitter about that, where it's like one rogue report that they're ordering 80 million iPhones 
<laughs> now means that you know six months from now when they report the holiday quarter, <laughs> sell seventy five. It's, it's a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, anything less than that is going to be a, a huge miss. <laughs> no matter how much higher it is than what it actually was a year ago. Uh, let's well hold that thought. Let's. I'm going to do yeah. a sponsor read, and I want to hold that thought on um, bigger iPhones, uh, and thank another longtime friend of the show, our good friends at Linda. Dot com L-Y-N-D-A.com. Um, they have a seven-day free trial. Why do you want the seven-day free trial? Here's why. You just go there. I'll give you the code Yeah, at the end of the read. You go there. You sign up. You get a seven-day free trial. And then you get access to their entire library. Library of what? Here's what they do. Lynda.com helps you learn and keep up to date with software and other skills like photography or shooting video, uh, uh, programming languages, learning Objective-C, learning to write iPhone apps, right? Learning to create a website, learning to CSS, something like that, or something like learning Photoshop, learning to master Photoshop, anything like that. They've got entry-level courses. They've got mid-level courses. They've got high-level courses. 2,400 courses in total, right? You get your free trial. You can watch any of them. Uh, and they have, like I said, courses for all experience levels. You'll see how much you like it. You'll see how much you've learned. And then for one low monthly price, if you want to become a regular customer, 25 bucks, 25 bucks a month, and you get unlimited access every month to the entire library at lynda.com, including the new stuff that they put out on a continuous basis. And the thing is, this is so unlike anything that you get on like YouTube or who knows what the quality is. Everything on lynda.com is really high production values, really high quality and great teachers. The type of people who you want to be learning from real pros, not just some idiot with a webcam, real pros, uh, great production values and new stuff coming out all the time. It, it amazes me whenever I check in and see what they've got. Um, just how everything, like new versions of um, the Adobe CS suite come out and new lynda.com courses on them come out immediately. It's amazing. Um, can't emphasize enough just how great the quality is. And and the deal, it sounds too good to be true. You go there, for, you know, for seven days, free trial, watch all you can eat. That That's how confident they are that if you try it, you go there for seven, you know, try the seven-day thing and start watching it. That's how confident lynda.com is that you're going to uh, cough up the dough to sign up for a subscription. Here's where you go to find out more and uh, get the seven days and let them know you're coming from this show. Go to lynda.com with a Y slash the talk show with the the lynda.com slash the talk show. You get seven days free trial. My thanks to them. All right. Big iPhone. Um, uh, I might be a week or two behind, but on the ATP, Syracuse brought up, I thought, a great question. And I was like, how come nobody's talking about this? They were talking about, you know, this, there's this pervasive rumors that there's going to be two bigger iPhones, 4.7-inch and 5.5-inch. Um, how come if there's going to be a 5.5-inch iPhone, um, that why are, where are the component leaks? Because there's all sorts of component leaks, purported at least, for the 47 Mm-hmm. And they're from people who've had, like a year ago, when they had component leaks of things like uh, the gold back of the 5S, you know, were pretty much spot on. 
but there's no and there's so you know the four the four point seven inch new iPhone is seems to be tracking exactly on pace leak wise as the last two or three years of iPhones, which to me it makes it seem like a slam dunk like unless something you know goes wrong or you know I, it, it seems like that's that's going to be a new product soon. But there's nothing. I haven't seen anything. There's, you know, like there have been screens yeah. that have come out for the 4.7. There have been cases. Nothing for the 5.5. And then, like, Reuters had a story last week. I think it was Reuters. Maybe it was Business Week. But one of them had a story that said that, uh, that the 4.7-inch uh, iPhone 6 is going into production now, like meaning July, and that the 5.5-inch one is going into production next month, meaning August. But see, you might think, well, if it's a month – behind then you know maybe the leaks are going to start coming soon but the leaks for the 4.7 inch phone came more than a month ago started a long time right right. they started months plural ago um i mean of course it makes sense that they would pick up if it is you know entering production but i don't know there's something about this 5.5 inch thing that to me is starting to sound like it isn't going to happen and it seems kind of crazy to think that they would have phone phones in three sizes i don't know it just that seems too. Just I've said it before on numerous too times. Much. It, it just seems like it, it. It's and to introduce two at the same time seems very odd. Yeah, it seems like it would make Phil Schiller's head explode. Like from a, <laughs> from a product marketing perspective, how do you frame it? You know, how do you frame the story? Like it, it like with the iPads, they've got the same specs, same camera, same you know CPU, same pixel dimensions. It's just you want one bigger or smaller, and you have to pay you know an extra hundred bucks or hundred twenty nine bucks or whatever the difference is for the bigger one. And it somehow seems to make sense in consumer minds that you pay a little more to get a bigger one, pay a little less to get a smaller one, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe that's why iPad sales are down. I don't know, but but it, it somehow comes across as feeling fair. Whereas if they come out with two new iPhone sixes and they're like the same A eight system on a chip the same new and improved camera the same thinness and one costs more than the other well which one costs more i'd rather have the smaller one so would i right it doesn't seem to me like you should pay more for a bigger one so i don't it doesn't make any sense to me but maybe maybe we're in luck maybe this will be the year where i don't want to buy the most expensive i mean particularly because they've approached this so slowly and carefully to date yeah Jumping up to five point five inches seems unnecessary, and there's still there's still growing sales. I mean, it's yeah. not like it. I mean, you know, if it was the iPad, maybe then we might think, okay, well, sales are falling. Maybe they need to do something else. But you know, it's not like it's not like they have a pro- big problem selling iPhones. Yeah, these these four inch iPhones are only selling in record <laughs> numbers. Um, and conversely, I don't think it makes any sense product marketing wise. For if there's two, for one to be like an A tier and one to be the B tier, because there's some number of people who are going to want the other one, but want the other specs, right? Somebody yeah. is going to say, I want a top of the line iPhone. And if the top of the line one is the 5.5 inch and the mid tier one is 4.7 inch, like the 5C equivalent class spec wise well i'm going to be upset because i don't want a 5.5 inch iphone even though i'm spent half an hour being a show talking about how i can't read uh <laughs> my iphone <laughs> i don't want it i don't i'd rather uh 
not be able to read my phone than carry something that big. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't see how they could do it, you know? And then if, you know, like, if, let's say that the 5.5-inch one has a better camera than the 4.7-inch one. Well, that I mean, that's going to make me angry, right? I just don't see it. I, I, it doesn't make any never made any sense to me. Like, the iPhone, I don't know. I'll... I'll Wait and then and, and then do they sell they sell four phones or do they sell or does the yes it doesn't make any sense if they switch to a thing where the new iPhone six is out and it has now it has a four point seven inch screen I don't that that doesn't sound good to me I like four inches but I'll try it and it does sound reasonable and it just maybe you know as batteries get bigger you know you you know maybe I'd be happy with it and I'll think you know what I kind of like having a bigger phone and. You know, uh, you know. Like I said, my eyes are getting worse. Maybe, I, maybe, I mean, maybe when, I'll like. And it. when they when the five came out, it was physically smaller than the four S. Right. It, it the was screen, a larger screen, but in terms of volume, it was actually a smaller phone. Right. And it, so I would hope they would do something like that again. Hopefully. Yeah, it felt like a fair trade off. Yeah. Uh, whereas going to five point five is just ridiculous. Although I'm not saying though that I I can't believe that other people would want. A device like that, I do. I totally understand that some people love them, and that they, you know, that there is like a, it's like a sweet spot between, you know, I don't need a tablet and a phone. I just have this one device. It's just I know it's not for me. I've seen such similar devices. And I can't imagine mm-hmm. carrying them around, carrying it around in my pocket everywhere I go. So I just don't see it. I also yeah. don't. I do think that also though, and and with the discussions, no, you know, joking aside about, uh, you know, my my presbyopia. It, it does raise the question, though, of what is the point of getting a bigger screen? Is it to make everything bigger so that you see the same amount of text, but now it's bigger? Or is it to put more on the screen and keep the text the same size and now that you can have more text at the same time? Yeah. I think the answer is maybe both. A little bit of both. Right? With the settings, you know, like with the, um, um, what do they call it? Oh, so you could have one or the other? They don't call it adaptive text, but there's, you know, with iOS 7, they introduced the thing where you go into general uh, text size and you can make text bigger system wide. And maybe, you know, it always seems to me like when you make it bigger on um, the current iPhone, it just takes up too much space. Maybe with a 5.5 inch phone, that it would be a great option for people with. failing eyesight that I, I could see that as a great product, but I just, I still don't see how they sell it alongside the 4.7 inch, at least at the same year. It just seems like a lot to sell. Yeah. I don't know that to me, I'm, I'm leaks, even though there are leaks coming out, I feel like we know less about what they're going to announce iPhone wise than in years, many years. I can't even remember the last time that we that I, I've had so many questions. Yeah, because last year, about this time, we had, oh, oh, well, I don't know if it was quite this time. Certainly by August, we had seen the 5C. I had already written my review. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we didn't see the 5C, did we? we no, but I thought we saw the shells. Oh, I thought we only saw the 5S, the, the metal ones. I didn't think we saw the plastic ones. Although maybe we did and they no, were white. We yeah, I think they were white. Yeah, but we didn't see all the colors, I don't think. I think we just saw like a white plastic one. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember something like that. So we're we're in agreement. No well, 5.5 5, 5. yet, anyway. I don't know. And then there's people, the, the, the people saying, the rumors saying that it's a month behind or that it might come early next year. I, I Why... 
they wouldn't announce that in September then. Yeah. That seems weird that they would do that. Like if it's three or four months behind, that seems to me like that's a non-starter. Like right. it, it should either be at the same time and therefore in time for the holidays or like six months later, you could, you know, yeah. maybe do it in April or something like that. Like when they announced the Used first couple the of iPads. iPads. Yeah. But if, you know, the holidays, it, it's such a weird blip on their quarter. I mean, you can see it every time they have these, you know, like today, every time they do the quarterly finance announcements, it's such a weird blip. They're such a holiday heavily uh, company that it just doesn't make sense that they would have something that would debut in, I don't know, January or something like that. And they can't announce it in September because then people would, you know, it's the whole Osborne effect thing. Like they're not going to want to buy the 4.7 inch one until they can see the 5.5 inch one and make a side by side comparison. Or, you know, they can't just have five point, you know, we can, we're not going to sell it until January, but we'll put them in the stores so you can see them. Well, then if people love them, they, you know, what they're going to, did they wait? It doesn't make any sense. You don't, you don't show people something unless you can sell it to them. Yeah. I just don't get it. Something just doesn't, doesn't. Some happen. of those rumors came from um, Ming-Chi Kuo. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, who is held up as like <laughs> one of the really good rumor you know rumor sources and used to work for digitimes and now works now works for kgi securities um wouldn't that be funny if i don't even know if it's a he or a she but it's a he all right if he um, got he got fired from digitimes for his <laughs> poor track record and he's and he's been you know he's gotten a number of things correct but he's also gotten a number of things completely incorrect because last year he said that the iphone was going to be announced at, at wwdc right and and he's the one saying that oh the the iPhones delayed you know the big iPhones are delayed and won't be won't be coming it might not come until next year I think that if the five point five inch iPhone is quote is delayed maybe they were working on it maybe it is delayed for whatever reason uh, that means it's pushed back a year that's what I think yeah I would I would think so too right they are not going to do something like three two three months after the initial one so here's the thing here's what I can't wait for then imagine this scenario September comes there's a big iPhone event the Yerba Buena Center is rented out they put up some kind of big colorful poster uh, uh, I fly out there where they have a big show and dog and show dog and pony show uh, yep. and the only new iPhone they announce is uh, a 4.7 inch iPhone six. It doesn't matter how awesome that phone is. <laughs> how many people are going to say, where's my 5.5 inch iPhone? <laughs> right. I mean, that's, right. it's like the can't win situation that Apple is in. Like it, it if they, I, I, I don't see how they could do this. I, it still doesn't make sense to me how they would do both, but if they don't do both, there's going to be some number of people who are outraged and are going to say that they are, out of touch they're you know going to disappear in 60 days if they don't get a 5.5 <laughs> .5 inch phone out did they did they disappear after that that 60 days i wanted to know if someone would ask on the the conference call <laughs> are you guys still in business i'm guessing i'm guessing trip trip chowdhury does not get on the conference call it would get, be great if he's not did. get to answer to ask oh questions my God. on the conference call can we kickstarter that I would, I would totally Kickstarter a project to get Trip Chowdhury 
onto the uh, every qu- conference call, okay, every conference you know, at least call. for the next four. You know, we'll, we'll pay whatever it costs, and we'll get Trip Chowdhury on every. He gets one question on every call. <laughs> <laughs> he just take Gene Munster's spot. Right? Because Munster's just going to ask about Apple TV. He's going to ask it, yeah. You know he's going to burn a question on the Apple TV. Yeah. Let's give one to, to Trip Chowdhury. <laughs> Tim Chip Chowdhury here. Are you still uh, in business? Are you still in business? I've got you penciled in for uh, disappearing <laughs> in early June when you didn't release an iWatch thing. <sighs> that guy. This is Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do impressions. This is my, gonna, this is my Tim gonna, Cook Southern accent. I'm going to take Tim. that question. Uh, no, we're still here. <laughs> Talk to you next quarter. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. We'll check no. in in 90 days. We'll ch- <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if we can keep the lights on. The uh, the other, one other thing from the, uh, that I heard on the little bit of the conference call that I heard before we got on the air was that while the iPad sales were down overall, they were up about 50% in countries like China and India. Yeah. I which was interesting. That. And they yeah. were down in the, the mature countries or <laughs> developed nations. They, they call, call them BRIC countries. B R I C. Yeah. Now what, what is that? Brazil, Russia, India, China. What's the yeah, oh yeah, Brazil, Russia, India, China. Brazil, Russia, India, China. It sounds it, it sounds like like four random countries. Which is yeah. I mean, Although kind of they're except that they're both all four are enormously populous, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um. Yeah. So those those four countries, it's way up. And isn't that exactly the the those are exactly the sort of countries where I feel like. Everybody, Where everybody does, said they would would never <laughs> they would never sell any iPads. Uh, well, and that they also are like the sort of countries where everybody was saying last year when the five C came out and wasn't cheap. Mm-hmm. You know that everybody's saying, "Oh, they're gonna make a cheap iPhone," and it came out and it wasn't. It was you know they, it had nothing to do with the cost. It had to do with having the mid tier occupied by a new device at the same price points instead of a year old device coming down that's all they did it had nothing to do with the price um it was about replacing the middle tier with a new phone rather than um and one that was probably cheaper to build yeah i think so, so. helped helped help their margin right i think because yeah i think that there's something yeah there's something to that where i think that the 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 refined aluminum uh, if you know if they had held the past pattern instead of the 5c the 5c wouldn't exist and the uh, the iphone 5 would still be sold at that point which is what the 5c is internally um which also i guess if we want to speculate about iphones i i, I do you think there's gonna be an iphone 5cs which would be an iphone 5s in a plastic case no i would Mm, I kind I don't know if they're going to call it a 5cs because it's starting to get like a mouthful no. to me the simplest thing is the the 5C drops down, the 5S drops down, and you get a 4.7 inch. Yeah, but I kind of feel like the pattern they set last year is they don't want to sell the nice metal case or, you know, exterior. In the middle? In the middle. I do feel Uh, like... I I feel like like that year was a setup just to get to the point where the plastic case is on the bottom level. 
Yeah, maybe it could be. It's either one or the other. That's a good. That's a good point. It could be about that they needed to get it out one year in advance before it trickles yeah. down. Um, could be. Could be. Um, I don't know though. I'm not so sure yeah, about. Yeah, I that. don't know. I don't know either. I think it's sort of about. See, my my guess is that it's sort of about setting your expectations for which one will cost more before you even turn them on. That you can look at a 5C and a 5S side by side while the screens are off. And I think most people would be able to guess which one's more expensive than the other. Whereas my uh, 5S, the current 5S, pick your favorite color versus the iPhone 6, this 4.7-inch iPhone 6. I don't know that you'd be able to do that, right? If you, you know, if you just purely like bigger devices, I guess you'd think this one's nicer. But, you know, if you like smaller devices, you might think that the 5S is. Whereas if they put the 5S internals into a 5C style plastic case, then it it sets that up. I don't know. That's a good question. That's one of the things I'll be looking forward to next month or September, I guess. Right. The brick countries. Uh, no, I, I think that everybody said last year that, that they need to sell a cheap iPhone for China because people in China per capita don't have a lot of money. Um, what do they call them? Emerging markets? Is that the yes, term? emerging markets. Right. And I think I don't think Apple thinks there are such things as emerging markets. I, I really don't. I think the way they approach it is that there's people who can afford iPhones and people who can't. You know, and I don't I don't mm-hmm. mean it to 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 be flippant, you know, but the fact that the average person in China maybe can't afford a, a iPhone 5C or probably can't afford an iPhone C, let's face it, doesn't mean that there aren't millions and millions of people in China who can because there's, you know, billions of people in China. Yeah. The other thing they did in the spring was add an 8 gigabyte iPhone 5C. Yeah. That's a little weird. I kind of Wonder That's, if that had anything to you know if that had much to do with it. Boy, I just can't believe I can't believe that the difference from Apple's perspective between eight and sixteen gigabytes is so is enough to warrant that. It just seems miserly. To, yeah, to give eight. Yeah, because it's you know and and you know and to put a camera in it that can shoot high def video and stuff. It's like wow, that's it. Just seems miserly. I mean, I, I don't was know looking. Than, I, I was looking at Amazon had a sale on Kindle Fire last week and i was looking at them and it was like the price difference between the i think there was an eight gigabyte and a 16 gigabyte and the price difference between the two was like twenty dollars and even then you got to figure that's just just be you know the cost difference can't i bet it's less than 20 bucks but that that's, oh, yeah you can't how can you price them five dollars apart or whatever yeah you know and i know ram is the same way and that's another uh john syracuse frequent complaint that apple always shortchanges the devices on RAM, you know, that the five, um, I think we still only, I don't know, whatever we have, we, we all wish we had more. I think we only have one gigabyte of RAM in the current. I think that's, that sounds right. Um, and it, that it, it comes back to bite Apple in the long run at the tail end. Like when somebody with a four S upgrades to iOS seven and it feels like their phone is running slower. Yeah. Like the number one thing Apple could do that would make that better. I, you know, he thinks, and I, I agree would be if, if they had doubled the Ram all along, 
Like if every single iPhone had shipped, maybe excuse the first generation one because, you know, it was a crazy, I can't believe they built this thing. But if like the last few years of iPhones had had more, like if they had gone to a gigabyte in the years when they had 512 megabytes, and if these ones now that have a gigabyte had two gigabytes, it would, I think it would give them a lot more headroom down the road for like the last supported iOS update they're going to give. Yeah. Because it's sort of a no-win situation for them, where if they cut them off earlier, everybody would be like, wow, I just bought this phone two years ago, and I already don't get the software update. But then they get the software update, and if it makes their phone feel slower because they don't have enough RAM, because it's optimized for the the brand new, you know, the, you know, the first priority is to make it awesome on the top-of-the-line iPhone, which has more RAM, then they get they get bitten. I know you you get a limited edition limited edition uh, like 256 gigabyte iPhone um but my wife and I both have a 16 and we've been eking by on 16 so when I first when I got the first iPhone we we both had 4 gigabyte iPhones we were you know speaking of limited editions yeah <laughs> that was a real limited limited edition phone and and I used that for 2 years and towards the end it got really painful and I'm at the same place now with 16 gigabytes. And I was just like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And I don't know. I just spend it. Seems, it seems like at some point they, I mean, they got to jump up. I could, I could, I think phone I, is 32. I could definitely get by with 32. Uh, I'd have to, I don't think I am right now. I think if I, if I check, I think my, it's, it's somewhere in the forties. My iPhone is filled up to somewhere around 40 gigs. So I'm using, upwards you know towards the 64 but i could there's a whole bunch of crap i could delete i think yeah well that's how and that's how i had a 32 gig 3gs and it was just like you know i never came, i never even came close particularly during that time period and i felt like i was you know i was like loading it up with movies and stuff and i was never watching them and right. i thought well why am i why am i doing this so i kept getting 16 gig phones after that and yeah. and now i finally got to the point where like okay now i can't even get stuff on there you know have this all the stuff that i want that i really need on there I will I will point out before I take a final break for our third sponsor. I will point out the the obvious tension between the fact that half an hour ago we were singing praises of Apple's 39% <laughs> profit margins. <laughs> right. And now we're telling that them that they should double they the should ra- double the RAM in. and and flash <laughs> <free>. storage <laughs> in every single model across the board. You know, somewhere at Apple there's somebody is listening podcasting. To this. Some somebody is sitting there listening and smiling and saying yes. That <laughs> you cannot have it both ways. Um, yeah, podcasting makes it easy. Just give everybody double the RAM. <laughs> double the RAM. It's only it's fifty million phones. Um, you know that's you know there's a there, there is <laughs> there is a secret but, uh, to thirty nine yeah. percent profit margin. Right, sure, right, right. And I but I feel like like I'm looking at a new like. My wife's getting close to needing a new MacBook, and I'm going to be there probably next year. And and I just can't sanction getting a four gigabyte, four gigabytes of memory anymore. Oh no! And a hundred twenty eight gig drive. No, I think I, I don't know. I yeah, I think it's got to be more than that. Well, yeah. for me, it's so the I got to go eight two fifty six and. Boy, I, I you know I don't know. It's like the modern web pages are just like when you look in activity monitor and you see how each tab now it gets to show you how much ram it's using it's like it's crazy i you know not crazy but you need more than four gigabytes and it just seems it again we're getting old four gigabytes of ram sounds like 
it still sounds to me magical. It's that because <laughs> ma- it's the magical barrier where you need 64 bit processing for one process to address that much space. And I knew about that limit, but like, you know, in the 90s or even the 2000s, it just seemed like some beautiful Shangri La of the future <laughs> when you would have that much yeah, RAM, you know. Sure. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm paying for eight <laughs> megabyte memory chips with my last dollar you know, <laughs> to load up an old Mac LC with, with 16 <laughs> megabytes of RAM. Uh, and it just seems crazy that now we're saying, I cannot get by with four I gigabytes of RAM. By. But, you know, that's how it goes. can't live like this. Right? Some, so at some point, I guess we'll be talking about yeah. terabytes of RAM. Of that. Our kids. Um. I will say this. One last point, though, about it, though, is that, yes, that's obvious. There, there's some tension there between the profit margins and, you know, <laughs> doubling the RAM and flash storage in every single device. But on the other hand, we do know that Tim Cook in particular and Apple as an institution is very, very fanatical about customer satisfaction. And, I, I, again, I'm just ripping John Syracuse off here, but but customer satisfaction is definitely tied to the amount of RAM in your device, especially uh, one or two years down the road. So, you know, it's, it's a multi, it's like one of those three-way tugs of war. Like, if there's one thing that maybe they, they would be willing to sacrifice a bit of long-term profit margin, just a bit, a bit of long-term profit margin for customer satisfaction seems like the type of trade-off that they would, they would see as worth it, because customer satisfaction is a long-term investment, I think. Right. All right, anyway, I want to tell you about a brand new sponsor. Uh, new kids on the block are called Squarespace. <laughs> uh, Squarespace. Can you spell that? S Q. It's with a Y. Okay. Um, actually, according to this, they've been around for a while. Hmm. Um, hmm. Uh, seems like something I would have heard of. But anyway, I it know, sounds it's awesome. Very strange. It is an all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and or online store. Online store alone makes it worth it. Anybody who's ever tried to make, uh, I, I, I was going to put a curse word in there, but I probably shouldn't in a sponsor read, but an <laughs> a online store, uh, it's the biggest pain in the ass you could ever imagine. Squarespace makes it easy. You get a free trial and 10% off if you visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code JG, just my initials, JG, shortest offer code ever, at checkout. Um, what, what, are the, what, what can I tell you about Squarespace? Beautiful design, great templates, a whole bunch of them to choose from. Uh, you can just pick a template and use it. You can customize it through drag and drop. Really easy. No, no coding required. Pick the components you want, drag the components you don't want off. Uh, or if you want to get into the code, you can do that too. So you can get into the code and customize it at that level if you want. If you want to stick to the drag and drop, you don't know that stuff, uh, do it that way. They have 24-7 support. This is a key, key feature. I, I, probably the key feature of Squarespace is the great tech support. Live chat and email 24-7. No phone. Because who wants to talk to somebody on the phone? Phone is terrible. You can get them 24-7, live chat and email. And they've got help tech support locations in New York City, Dublin, Ireland, 
in Portland, Oregon. So it covers like the whole Western world of live tech support 24 seven. Some poor sap is in there on Christmas Eve waiting for you to build your Squarespace site. Amazing. Uh, plans start at just eight bucks a month. Eight bucks. I know I talk to you about Squarespace all the time, but think about this. You get a whole website for eight bucks a month, and that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Responsive design on all the templates. Everything looks good on the phone. Everything looks good on tablets. Um, and like I said, an online store that you can just configure through drag and drop. So go to squarespace.com. Uh, they even have a URL. I don't know what the difference between the URL and the code is, but you can go to squarespace.com slash Gruber, G-R-U-B-E-R, my last name, uh, but use the offer code at the checkout, JG, and you get 10% off whatever it is you sign up for. So my thanks to them. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, something about iPads, iPhones. Oh, uh, jamming more RAM in for free. Yeah, jamming more RAM in <laughs> for free. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to go up sometime. And I feel like we're close to an inflection. Point yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can take, you really can take use of it. I mean, I, you know, I hate to say it, but the you know devices still are everything is always RAM starved at this level. Oh yeah, you know, and it's, you know you don't see it as much as you used to. But like you switch from one app to another, and then do another, and then you go back to Safari, and your tabs have to reload because Safari had to give up its RAM. And flushed all of the tabs and just remembers the URLs. And now, you know, but you're in the supermarket and you're, you get crummy cellular reception in the dairy aisle. And now your tab doesn't reload fast. <laughs> you know, it happens, you know. <laughs> Whereas if you had double the RAM, your tab would still be there because you loaded it before you went to the supermarket. I do a lot of my reading in the supermarket. Is there something they do in building a supermarket that shields... Um, like cellular connections. <laughs> I don't know. Cause yeah. it seems like every time I go to the supermarket, I get, I get a worse connection than almost anywhere else. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's those, uh, shelves that they use or something it's like the that. milk. Yeah. All the liquids. Yeah. <laughs> Absorb, absorbing the, uh, the signal. <laughs> Not a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're not a doctor and I'm not a scientist. You know, there's something I want the customer satisfaction thing I wanted to talk about. And, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, and, and he mentions that, and I don't know if he said customer sat again this time, yeah. but he they beat that drum throughout yeah. that conference call every single quarter. Yeah. Well, I should. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that they see it as a way of, of whole, trying to prove scientifically, you know, however much a customer satisfaction survey can be held up as science, but it's certainly better than just empty words, you know, that people like Apple products on average better than other people like competing products from other companies, right? Which is a long-term yeah. advantage. It's, it's not, it's a way of saying we're not in a commodity you know, some a, a big portion of these markets that we're in, laptop computers, uh, tablets, cell phones, is a commoditized market. But where we're operating is not a commoditized market in that there's a sizable demand for the non-commoditized, you know, products at the high end of these markets. Do you see, do you have a lot of people who, or if people you see with Kindle Fires? No, I don't see many Kindle fires. I don't. That yeah, might be a Seattle I, area thing. Yeah, and I, I wonder. I always wonder if it's just it's more the area that I live in. But I see, and I also see just like a lot of people buying them uh, as cheap tablets for their kids. 
Hmm. Like they fake, I think they, some, some people think, well, they think that I should get the cheapest one because it's just for the kid. And then they also think that he's probably just going to drop it. And yeah, I don't want him dropping an iPad. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder uh, how the decline in year over year, I, iPad sales already. I mean, already, I mean like in the life of the product, I, I, I think part of it is that people, when they get a tablet, if they, if they keep using it, they use it a lot longer than they use a cell phone. And it's more like laptop in terms of replacement cycle. Yeah, I guess so. And, and B, maybe, you know, that it's, this is a case where the iPad has become too expensive, you know, that maybe, I don't know how many of these, I don't know who else is selling a lot of tablets, but you know, if, if people are buying them, like you said, like for kids and stuff like that, that's a, you know, it's a great reason to buy a $250 device instead of a $500 device. If you're giving it to yeah. a kid who, you know, I mean, you, you know, look at the way things like a DS are constructed, right? The, the Game Boys, you know, they're, right. they're made to be handled by children in ways mm-hmm. that iPads are not. And I don't, you know, I don't think iPads are particularly fragile for tablets, but they do have a glass screen and they're not, they don't look rugged. Right. So and I they're know. just more expensive, to, more expensive to replace. Right. And it's not like iPad sales have collapsed. It's just a drop. But, you know, it just seems worrisome at a time when I think most of us thought that they'd still be going up just because more and more right. people would be buying their first tablet. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I, you know, I always want to, <laughs> I always want a new one. So <laughs> I find here's, it, I find it odd that not everybody else does. But <laughs> here's, here's an interesting customer satisfaction angle. And, and it's like a long-term thing is that it's um, a belief. And I, I think this applies at a consumer level and at an enterprise level. Like in t- I don't want to spend a lot of time on that IBM thing, but um, that Apple has long had the knock against it that they charge per- too high a prices and that they, you know, they're greedy and that they make these obscene profits and they charge too much for everything. Um. And that their stuff is just too expensive, right? And in some, you know, there were some times in the late 90s, early 2000s where like, you know, pound for pound, maybe the Mac was more, you know, a comparable Mac was more expensive than a comparable PC. But especially in the Intel Mac era, you know, that's, that's you know, long ago been turned around where like there's been a lot of times where, you know, to comp- to to get the same spec. I remember when the Mac Pros came out last year, the new ones, um, or I guess that was earlier this year. Um you know, people tried to configure the same type of thing from Dell, and it wasn't going to come in a cool case like the Mac Pro, and it was way more expensive, right? And and laptops too. Like, sure, Apple's starting laptop price is eight ninety nine, and you know, there's a lot of companies that sell you know two ninety nine, three ninety nine PC laptops, but to get the same specs, it actually would cost more, and you'd get a lesser build quality. Not really fair, but people have that belief, and I think that when they see little things. They, they're viewed through that prism. And here's an example. I was at a family thing a couple of weeks ago, and uh, somebody, it was, you know, like outdoors, everybody, somebody's barbecuing, we're drinking beer, you know. Um, and somebody had mentioned, and it wasn't in the context of, hey, I know you, you, you write about Apple. It was just people were talking about iPhones and it had nothing to do with me being present. I was just a fly on the wall. Uh, wasn't, you know, complained to me about it but it was somebody a, a woman who was complaining because 
she still had an iPhone 4 or 4S, I don't know which one, but it had the 30-pin adapter and the thing. But her husband had just gotten a new iPhone, and his came with lightning, a lightning adapter. And she was like, why do they do that? It's, you know, and she, and her, her perspective was that they did it only to get them to buy a whole bunch of $29 cables. lightning cables <laughs> and that it was a ripoff. Uh, but her annoyance was real in terms of like now, like a single charger in the kitchen doesn't work for both of them. Mm-hmm. And it's a short term problem. I, I just kept my mouth shut. This is one of those things where people wonder, <laughs> people wonder like, like what does John Gruber do in that situation? You know what I do? I just pick up my beer and I take a sip <laughs> and I keep my mouth shut and I look around and make sure that my dad doesn't do something stupid and be like, well, John knows everything about Apple. John <laughs> I, you know, I'm like ready to bolt from the chair and maybe go join the, the wiffle ball game or something like that. Like, I do not want to get involved. I do know I can explain to you now, you know, that it is, you know, if they don't do it, then we're stuck with 30 pin adapters forever. And the 30 pin adapter was actually kind of gross. It was like yeah. a weirdly unappley type port. Uh, <laughs> That's a, yeah, I mean, people complained about that adapter for years. Yeah, but it was weird. And it served them well, and then they technically. It. But, like, oh, they replaced it. Right. And they replaced it with a port that is much better in every way than the 30-pin and much better in every way than micro USB. It's right. more sturdy. It works up and down, which is amazing and annoys me even more when I have to deal with USB stuff now. Um and, you know, they can either make a port that's better or they can never make a new port. And Apple's way is to do something better. And within a few years, all the phones that are in use and all the iPads that are in use will all be on Lightning and nobody will have that problem. But I do understand it's annoying. But she, it, it, you know, it, didn't, it never even entered into her, the discussion. It never even occurred to her that the Lightning adapter on her husband's phone was better. Was better. That's the thing that she completely, clearly did not see. Just completely missed. All she could see was that it was totally different, totally incompatible, and therefore, obviously, a money grab. And the thing that I think hurts Apple in that regard, I don't think that even enters Apple's mind at all. I think whatever profits, I think they do make nice profits on $29 lightning adapters or $19, whatever they sell them for. Um, but I don't, I don't think materially that they, they add up to, you know, the, any significant, significant part of their line item, yeah. right? But I do think there's a customer satisfaction angle on there where it makes the experience better, right? It, well, the, but no, but that it it, it hurts their it, it when you use a lightning adapter, it does help your customer satisfaction. And I think it you know if it's the only device you have, instead of them using it instead of micro USB, is why Apple gets better scores. But I do think there's a negative thing where people think, ah, uh, they did this just to, to, to practically steal $29 from me. Like, I feel like maybe it, they they should rethink their pricing policy on things like extra adapters that, yeah. and, and <laughs> they should things. destroy their margins further. Again, I'm giving them advice <laughs> that it will hurt their profit margins. But I feel like whatever damage it would do to their profit margins to sell things like lightning adapters and, you know, everything that they sell for $29 or less, all of those things, if they you know really dropped the price on a lot of those things and sold them closer to cost, the goodwill would be, would be more valuable than whatever hit it would take to their profit margins, is my theory. Now, again, there might be some guy at Apple with a 
spreadsheet. Spreadsheet that says otherwise. Shaking his head. He's yeah, like, right. Right. I ran the numbers. You're wrong. <laughs> and he doesn't even have an office chair. He just sits on a throne <laughs> of hundred dollar bills. <laughs> It's just billion <laughs> dollars in cash. It's that, that mountain of cash that the Joker set fire to in the you know, Batman movie. He's just sitting there up top there, counting, counting and lightning adapter. One of those green eye shade things on. But I do. I think people have this notion that Apple is out to uh, out to nickel and dime. Not nickel and dime yet, because like, it's not quite nickel and diming. Like I do think people know that that they don't. You don't. You know. I think that's part of the reason people are switching to Macs is that you don't open your Mac and get nagged to buy antivirus and stuff like that. They, you open your Mac and they don't ask you to buy anything else. So it's not nickel and diming. It's it's something else. But that it's you know that they're they're looking for money, right. And that the stuff is way too expensive. And I think also it's maybe partly because they know who to blame. They know to blame Apple. Whereas in the old days, uh, it was notorious that every brand of phone had a different custom adapter for power. Yeah, and that right. if you lost it, God almighty, you're, you know, you'd have to go into the Verizon store or AT&T or wherever you bought your phone and show them your phone and be like, I need Each model, too. Each model. You, had to be, yeah. you couldn't just say, hey, I got a Nokia. You'd, you'd be like, right. Here's my, here is my phone. You know, and they'd be like, "Oh, you need the uh, XL forty seven eight. Yeah, that'll be fifty dollars." You know, it was they were crazy expensive. Or if you wanted to do like you, you know, you'd get one if you wanted to buy a second one so you could charge your phone at work, you know, and keep your other one at home or something like that. They were super expensive, way more expensive than Apple's. But I feel like when it's your carrier doing it, you just you don't even think to complain about it because you know they're going to screw you. Whereas it, I think people feel like Apple shouldn't be screwing them. We had, I mean, we had collected so many of those dock connector cords that I just, you know, I had them lying all over the house. So you could, you could power a phone anywhere. And now we're at a, at a low point again until I build up my inventory. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody the other night, just like a friend who lives up the street said, said, said they wanted to borrow one of those cables, like a lightning cable for a week. And I was like. Well, they can't have one of mine. <laughs> no, no, no. If you've got an extra one, you can give them, the, give them yours, but I'm not parting with any of mine. I like them. I don't like them that much. I got one more thing. Uh, Do you hear this thing that um, uh, um, Ryan Block and... Uh, oh, the Comcast thing? Yeah, where they... I didn't... I can't... I couldn't listen to it because it just... Those kinds of things make me cringe. I only listened to about a minute for the same reason. Yeah. But, yeah. So Ryan Block and Veronica yeah. Belmont, who, who uh, they got married a couple years ago, uh, and they decided to cancel their Comcast service. <laughs> And apparently Veronica was, was on the phone, was going to, you know, and that's doing one for the team is calling, you know, that's, that's one of those things where, where when you're a a couple, when one of you decides I'll call Comcast, you know, you, you don't have to do the dishes that night. Right. (laughs) And and she called just to say, we want to cancel our Comcast service. I don't know. It doesn't even matter. I don't know if they're replacing it with Fios or something like that, but, um, Number one, you know that they those two know what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> co-founder of uh, Engadget and the host of like more tech TV shows than anybody I know. 
probably are making an informed decision to cancel Comcast, and yeah. it, she just couldn't couldn't get the guy to cancel their service, and and then had to hand the phone over to Ryan, and he started recording a call, and it's just absurd. I mean, if you can take things like this, you should, and you haven't, you should God. just Google Ryan Block and Veronica Belmont Comcast. cancel Comcast. Um, it went viral, as they say, because the guy was it was just absurd. The guy, the guy was like, why do you want slower internet? And Ryan Block was like, why won't you just cancel my service? And he's like, I'm trying to understand why you want to get slower internet. And he's like, I'm trying to understand why you won't cancel my service. <laughs> just cancel it. That's all I want to do. Uh, and it went on and on. It was like 10 minutes long. And, and the thing that's great is it went viral. And the thing about that is uh, they had to like address it. Like Comcast's chief operating officer had to address it and say that it was painful to listen to this call. And I am not surprised that we have been criticized for it. Respecting our customers is fundamental, and we fell short in this instance. I know these retention calls. I guess it's an internal memo. It's not really meant for public uh, distribution. These retention calls are tough, and I have tremendous admiration for our retention professionals who make it easy for customers to choose to stay with Comcast. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so awful. That's so. That's actually even worse. A, a number of sites, and I, I forget where I read it. Probably The Verge or someplace, but it wrote about the economics behind these people's jobs and. Basically, their whole incentive, their whole compensation package is wrapped up in the number of people that they can convince to stay. You know, I thought that. I just thought it from listening to the part of the call I heard was that the guy was into it enough, or he was clearly not just getting an hour, you know, you know, twenty bucks an hour. It was he was invested. It was car salesman territory. Yeah, it's the reverse. Yeah, it's a. It's like it's yeah, it's like a car salesman. It's like selling. It's like they're selling it all over again. Right. But it's weird because it's like, and car salesmen, I'm sure, you know, it's in famous, famously shady, you know, operators, and they know all sorts of tricks. But it's like, it, and I'm sure they take advantage of some people who, who come in naive or who are timid. Um, you know, not that you and I are, you know, tough guys, right? But it's like, if we were in a car dealer, you and I are going out to buy a convertible to spend a, you know, take a summer road trip in. We're going to buy a convertible. And you and I go in and we don't like what we're hearing. And we start walking out the door and the guy tries to keep us from walking out the door. We're still walking out the door, right? You can just walk out, you know, as shady as a car dealer, you know, dealer can be, you know, you can just keep moving your feet and eventually you are out the door and you're not listening to him anymore. Whereas if you are already hooked up, that's the thing. <laughs> You're hooked up to, right. to to auto bill Comcast a hundred dollars a month, and even if you call your credit card and say don't pay them, they're gonna you know they're gonna put your account in collection until they officially disconnect you. You're, you've signed a thing that you're sending them a hundred dollars or you know one hundred and fifty dollars a month. You need them to do this, and if they won't do it, what what can you do? <laughs> this is such rotten doublespeak. And, and Jackie Chang had posted uh, on Twitter that a reminder that. And I forget the names of these services, but those services that where you get people to do like a task for you, task oh, rabbit. Oh yeah, yeah. You can you can actually call those guys and have them like disconnect, you know, disconnect get, your cable. Call Comcast and disconnect your Comcast for you. <laughs> so if you don't want to sit on the phone with that guy, this you know what, and it just ties right in with me linking to the the George Orwell uh, yeah. politics in the English language. Like who make it easy for customers to choose to stay with Comcast. If that's not the most 
rotten double speak I've ever heard. That is so much more evil than if he just flat out said, who make it difficult for customers to leave <laughs> to disconnect. Comcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right because it's exactly what it means it is right. exactly it is like like three plus three on one side and six on the other it, <laughs> who make it difficult for customers to leave comcast <laughs> we have yeah, a, you you have comcast right i do i live in comcast yeah. country yeah i'm in cable town right and literally our skype call is getting cre- creaky <laughs> I swear to God, you can't make this up. <laughs> you, you're starting to sound. <laughs> I swear I just, to God. I, I, you know, kind of pat myself on the back because we have here in Tacoma, I've said this before, we have city provided internet service. And so um, I don't have to use Comcast, but, but, I, but I do for our, we have a landline. We we in Philadelphia so. have a Comcast provided city. Have <laughs> <laughs> I, I told you they literally they have the tallest skyscraper in Philadelphia? It is the mm-hmm. Comcast Center. They have just yeah. bought a plot of land a block away, and they are going to build uh, a new tallest skyscraper. Which oh, will so also your, internet, be- your internet should be super fast. <laughs> yes, thanks to them building two and skyscrapers. completely. Non disconnectable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, what a rotten, what a rotten, rotten company Comcast yeah. is. This is terrible. I don't know. That's it for me for this week, though. You got anything? Okay. Uh, did you did you talk about the Microsoft layoffs? Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, 18, and that's that's home. Eighteen thousand people over the next year. But twelve, although 12, most of it's, don't count yeah, because they're from Nokia or something is from Nokia. Yeah, they don't count. Yeah. <laughs> no, I. You know, I, I hate to make jokes about poor Finland. I. You know, what? I don't want to make jokes about layoffs because you know who. I'll bet there's got to be somebody who listens to the show who's one of them. So sure. It's, it, you know, I've lost jobs and it's it's not fun. I tried to get laid off for years. It didn't work. <laughs> It's the worst. It never happens to the people who want it. No, it never happens to the people who deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, we're going to have some layoffs. Here's the list. And then you you raise your hand and you're like, what about buyouts? Sit down, Maltz. (laughs) Maybe we could have buyouts, too. Early retirements? They knew I was going to leave. That's why they didn't lay me off. (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of sad. You know, yeah. I, I think, mean, they, you know, they kind of need it as a business, but yeah. it's not, you know, it's not never good for the people in it. No, and it's, you know, it's humbling because I think uh, it's not that many years ago when the idea of a Microsoft layoff would have been unthinkable. Yeah, you know, and it's a reminder, you know, a wake up call to everybody else. You know, for companies like Google and Apple, who are and Amazon, who are the, you know, the big tech companies of the last decade uh, and who've never had a layoff that, you know, if it could happen to Microsoft, man, it could happen to anybody. I mean, Apple's had layoffs, but never like a, a mass layoff. And it hasn't been not in the modern era of Apple. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to be careful about getting fat. Tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Did you read uh, Ben Thompson's piece on breaking Microsoft up? Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was a good piece. I don't think it's going to happen. But. No, I don't think so either. Because I think it, it, it if it would have, if that was on the table, it would have happened instead of this, and would have happened maybe coincident with uh, Satya Nadella taking over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think that's an alternate right. universe where the, what do they do post Balmer? Maybe is break it up. You know, whereas now I don't, I don't think that they would do that. I don't know that that's his, the I mean, so just to recap, his theory, I mean, his idea is that Microsoft is turning into a services company so that the hardware and operating system part should be put into a different company and run separately. Yeah, it does because make you, sense. You know, and there's a certain, there's a certain, uh, what's the word? It, uh, it, it just doesn't make sense. There are odds with each other where there's a part of Microsoft that sees it as a company that provides software to OEMs. And now there's a part of com- uh, the company that sees itself as an OEM. Right. And, and that's just not compatible. And they can kind of yada, yada, yada it to make it seem like it's compatible because the revenue and profits are still coming in, but it just does. It's at a common sense level. It just doesn't make sense that they can be providing these so- software to companies to make mobile devices and they're going to make their own mobile devices without right. favoring one or the other, you know, and everybody who's tried it, it never works, you know, so Google, you know, is provide software to OEMs with Android, and they make their own Android devices. But uh, very few people use Google's Android devices, they've never really taken off, you know, and if like the Nexus in some alternate world where the Nexus phones are huge hits, uh, that, you know, Samsung isn't going to be using Android, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, it just wouldn't work. Uh you know, and like go back to the '90s when Apple licensed the Mac OS, it, it, you know, just doesn't. It didn't work. Yeah, so it's an interesting idea, but I just there's too much institutional. I mean, I just there's no way they could get rid of Windows. No, I think you know, I, I, and I don't think it needs. To, I just think Windows could be run as its own division. But I think that they should stop thinking of the Windows division as anything other than legacy. Just let it be what uh-huh. it is, and it's a PC operating system in an ever shrinking market. But that is huge, and is probably you know eventually going to level off like the shrinkage. You know, if like I just said to you, the IDC for this past quarter is that the PC market shrank two percent year over year. It seems like maybe the bleeding is over. You know, I think it's going to keep dwindling, and it's going to keep dwindling in terms of the overall pie chart of computing devices, because it's not just that smartphones and tablets are replacing PCs, it's that we're adding multiple devices, you know, that are what used to be thought of as a PC. Um, And that the share of them that are traditional PCs is getting smaller. In addition to the fact that people are buying fewer actual units year over year. Mm-hmm. Um, but just let it run, you know, and I think that's the problem. Yeah. The whole basic problem with windows eight is trying to make this, you know, trying to please two groups at once. Whereas if they had just made a windows eight, that was like windows seven, like here, if you have yep. a traditional laptop or a desktop PC, here you go. Here's a new version of windows better than ever. And we've got and this other entirely thing. new mo- mobile yep. operating system. Yeah. But it's weird now. It's weird now that they, you know, their his Nadella's whole memo was about, you know, we're now a company that helps people get things done, and they still have all this entertainment, yeah, stuff. Yeah, they did Nix. They did Nix making TV shows. Yeah, they've uh, always they had still, that. They still have the Xbox, which does not seem to, that does not fit into that mandate at all. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, I've had that thought too. I've tossed out ideas and I've thought like, Hey, if Netflix commissions TV shows, why doesn't Apple commission TV shows, you know, for Apple TV and have, you know, new Kevin Spacey show that's only on Apple TV, but you know what there, that way lies lack of focus. I'm not saying Apple would never do that particular thing, but you know, they certainly can't do all of them, Mm -hmm. you know? And I don't know, making, making TV shows was, you know, never what Microsoft was good at. I've just I've always found that this whole thing that the uh, these companies think that they need to do everything to be counterproductive. But what do I know? Yeah, well, I do think that there's it, it, it's always seemed like that way to me. Like I thought it was crazy in the '90s when when Microsoft started jointly with NBC, the MSNBC. Uh, I was like, "What are you doing? Why would you? Why yeah. would you want to make a CNN competitor? You're Microsoft, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can see why somebody would want to make a CNN competitor, right? I can see right. why multiple people would, but why would Microsoft? Why, you know, why do you feel like you need everything, including a news, you know, channel and and you know, and the whole thing, you know, wound up not working out that well. I mean, MSNBC is a fine network, but the, I mean, Microsoft, the, the MS in, in MSNBC hasn't stood for Microsoft for, I don't know, the better part of a yeah, decade. Yeah. I mean, they've been out of that forever. It's very strange. We should have a Kickstarter for us to buy Microsoft. <laughs> uh, I did see that they're, you know, that they, uh, their stock, they, they did quarterly results today too, and they, they missed, but only missed because of uh, Nokia the Nokia, Nokia division, which right. did a little bit worse than expected. And the stock market reacted, you know, with no reaction whatsoever. <laughs> no, I mean, I, which I think is right. I don't think anybody should have been surprised by that. Right. I think yeah. common sense prevails. I don't know. Before we started recording, it looked like after hours, Apple was about even too. I don't know if it's still true, but that's always kind of, that's getting weird. Like having, having the stock market, not panic after hours, <laughs> no matter what happens with Apple. <laughs> right. Yeah, it seems like the the whole that whole thing has kind of turned a bit. Yeah, they seem, I, they seem to be a little bit more uh, happy with what's going on, despite you know, I mean the usual the usual suspects are still being jerks, but yeah, it looks like that. it's nice and even. It's yeah, sticking around ninety four bucks. Um, uh, you know, was it bad? I think it was Ben Thompson who was on the show the, a couple weeks ago. And I thought he made a very keen observation that I've never really heard before, which is that the stock market will rewards the f- the gut feeling that even if you screw up, you being the company that that they're evaluating the process, even if you screw up, you'll still be in business, and that that's where Apple got hurt for years and years, where there's just there used to be this consensus that Apple was always on the precipice, and one slip away from you know. Right. The, the whole house of cards falling under. And I feel like that they've, you know, none of these dire things have happened, like margins collapsing or whatever. And everybody has sort of gotten the idea that, hey, Apple could screw up, you know, like they could release an iPhone 6 that is not that popular and they are not going to go under. You know, they could have the next, you know, the next Mac Cube come out and, uh, you know, wouldn't be good, wouldn't be good news, but it's not going to. You know, it's not a house of cards that's going to fall down. It's a sturdy foundation. And it only took them 35 years to realize that. (laughs) Right. Slow learners. Yeah. All right, John Moltz, thank you for joining me. Thank Uh, you. uh, People can find, get more Moltz at, uh, (laughs) to get get the full Moltz treatment is what they could get. (laughs) At uh, verynicewebsite.net. Is that correct? 
That is correct. Very nice website dot net uh, for the full mulch, mulch treatment. You've got. Uh, uh, I'm going to turn this car around. Turning, turning this the, car around. Turning this car around. Great podcast with uh, a couple of guys. Uh, well, there's John Armstrong. Yep. And. <laughs> Lex Friedman. Lex Friedman. That's it. I was uh, tipping my tongue. Lex Casey Friedman. Less. <laughs> Not Casey Less. Not Casey Less. Um, and they can get you there. Uh, what are you on the Twitter? You're at Moltz, right? At Moltz. At Moltz. That's right. You know what for I wish you could the, do? All your I wish, jocularity. I wish that I could uh, specify for certain iMessage users that to just use the last name. You know, you know, like oh, yeah. I, I messaged you, I was going to be late for the show, and it says John M. Well, I, I got so many Johns. I got John Syracuse in there. I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't see you as John M. You're not John M. You're Moltz. No, I'm right. And I'm Moltz to everybody, basically. But it's got to be the same for me with you. Like, if I text you, you yeah. don't want to see John G. You're like, who the hell right. is that? Right. 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 Nobody calls me John G. Not since no. like first grade. Right. The curse of the Johns. Yeah. <laughs> 